And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the one Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Nathai Gaucher. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. That is me. The program is brought to you by the absolute best beef jerky you've ever had, unless you haven't tried it yet. It's Wilhock Beef Jerky. Do yourself a favor. if you Actually, if you have not tried Wilhock Beef Jerky, stop what you're doing. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com, place an order, they'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. But if you happen to be in the Edmonton area, you can go to Leduc or Spruce Grove or West Edmonton Mall and pick up your batch of beef jerky. It's absolutely delicious. Your taste buds will thank me. And just remember, you can't win friends with salad. Go to Wilhock Beef Jerky. This episode, a little bit shorter than I had anticipated. There was supposed to be at least a third guest, but uh, this week I only was able to uh, book two. And maybe that's because of the, uh, the new year. Happy New Year, by the way. I hope everyone had a great holiday season. And as enjoyed a a strong start to 2024. I'll tell you who those two guests are in a little bit, but uh, we've got some news and notes to cover. As I'm speaking with you right now, it is a Friday afternoon, and I waited to do this uh, segment because I wanted to wait until the World Junior Championship uh, was over, and uh, it is now the United States this year's winners, and I don't think that's a huge shock to most people. In fact, the gold medal game featuring the U.S. and Sweden is what most people predicted. I think the the bigger surprise was that uh, both Canada and Slovakia were neither one were involved in the bronze medal game that went to uh, the Czechia, the Czech Republic or Czechia, with a uh, really interesting comeback. Man, they scored four goals in like a minute uh, to come back and defeat Finland to claim that bronze medal. As for the victory for the United States, and a full disclosure, I watched very little of this year's tournament because of where it was and the time that it was shown over here. And the holiday season, I had lots of family in town, so we were up late most nights, like 2, 3 in the morning, celebrating and uh, being festive. And wasn't going to start watching a game at uh, 5 in the morning or 4.30 in the morning and then have to be up all day or be sleeping all day. It just would have screwed everything up. So uh, family first in this case. So it wasn't until the very end that I was able to watch anything. I did watch uh, the full gold medal game. That United States team... Full marks uh, for that victory. That is a uh, really strong group. I thought the Swedes, at times they carried the play, but they were on their heels a lot and doing a lot of chasing. I thought the Americans were more aggressive physically and uh, took advantage of opportunities. I thought their goaltending was better today as well. I will say, though, I could do without the taunting. And maybe that's old man talking or something, but 
I think there is something to be said. I don't care what country you're from or what the situation is. Winning with class, I think, goes a long way. I didn't like seeing the, uh, I forget which player it was from the Czech Republic, but skating by the the Finns bench and giving them the gears after he scored. I didn't like seeing uh, Ryan Leonard giving it to the the crowd, blowing kisses there after that late goal, and then uh, with the hand to the ear. I thought even Trey Augustine was kind of giving it to the crowd there too. And I will preface this by saying I understand their kids, and that's where I'm going to give them a little leeway and cut them some slack. It's an emotional tournament. They are still young guys, 18, 19 years old. That barn, it carried over the atmosphere, carried over the uh, television. It was a pretty emotional game. So I understand the circumstances. I just don't like seeing it. And that's me. You can tell me to go piss up a rope if you if you want, and you, you can disagree all you like. It's just my opinion. And again, I don't care what country you're from. If it was Canadians doing that, I wouldn't like it either. I've seen it at WHL games. Anyway, with the uh, results in, the uh, group sets have been uh, determined for the 2025 World Junior, which is back in Canada in Ottawa. Group A will be the United States with Finland and Canada, Latvia and Germany. And Group B will see Sweden, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Switzerland, and uh, Kazakhstan earn their way up. They'll replace Norway, who was knocked out of uh, the... The big pool. And fitting that uh, it, the tournament next year will be in Ottawa and Kazakhstan is going to be there because their starting netminder is an Ottawa Senators prospect. That would be Vladimir Nikitin, who is playing in the BCHL with the Chilliwack Chiefs this season. Not having a great year in the BCHL, but the win last month uh, for Kazakhstan in the uh, the U-20 World Championship Division One, he was the tournament MVP, or at least he was named the best goaltender. I don't know if he was the entire tournament MVP, but won the gold, was the top player on the team, best goalie, best goals against, and best save percentage, 944 save percentage. So anyway, he'll be, I'm sure, the starter for Kazakhstan in the tournament next year when it is in Ottawa. So interesting tie-in, that's all. As for the uh, the rest of the award winners this year, Jonathan Lakaramaki was named the MVP. Vancouver Canuck prospect. The uh, top goaltender was not Trey Augustine. It was uh, Hugo Havlid, who is, uh, as of right now, unattached to an NHL team. The best defenseman was Axel Sandin Pelika, drafted by the Detroit Red Wings in the most recent draft. And uh, Cutter Goche was named the best forward. Goche and Yuri Kulich uh, led the tournament in scoring with 12 points each. Kulich with six goals and six assists. Goche had just two goals, but 10 assists uh, for 12 points. The top-scoring undrafted player is uh, Matty Malofsky, played for Czechia. Just one point off uh, of those two leaders. He had 11 points in the tournament for the Czech Republic, or Czechia. Still getting used to that. I'm told, actually, it's a North American thing to refer to them as Czechia, and that, like, Ladislav Schmid, who is here in Edmonton, he doesn't like it. It's, for him, it's still the Czech Republic. He's That's his country. He said nobody there calls it Czechia. So I'm not sure where it came from, but whatever. Uh, Andre Becker plays for Czechia. Actually, he plays in Prince George for the last couple of seasons. He also had uh, 10 points undrafted player, 19 years old. Now, they were calling him Beher in this tournament. Cole Waldy, who is the play-by-play guy up in Prince George, pronounces it Becker. 
I'm assuming this is a, a European pronunciation, the North American pronunciation. You go to Elite Prospects and click on the little speaker next to his name, and it does sound like Behar. No k sound in there. But we happen to uh, come across that a lot here uh, with the CHL, the players coming over, where they say, yeah, just pronounce it the way you want to pronounce it. I'm kind of a stickler for that. I want to make sure that uh, we're pronouncing it the way, like if their parents are listening in from overseas. Remember the Oil Kings uh, briefly had a player named uh, Yessi Sepala, but the North American pronunciation was Sepala. But I said to him, do you pronounce it Sepala? Because the accent with Finnish names is almost always on the first syllable. And he said, yes. I said, well, <laughs> why don't we call you that then? He said, oh, it does not matter to me. Well, it matters to me. Anyway, uh, if you're wondering where Macklin Celebrini ended the tournament, he had eight points. Now, he only played five games, so big difference there. If he had played a couple more games, could he have been up in that 10, 10 11, 12 point range? Probably. Maybe even likely. But it wasn't a great event for Canada. Again, I did not actually see much more than maybe uh, two and a half periods total of Canada's tournament. So fortunately, I will have a guest next week who is going to recap the event that uh, watched it from start to finish. So I'll be able to uh, pick his brain a lot more. I'm sure there's been lots of dissection of what went wrong for Canada. Uh, By the way, the media all-stars for this tournament, the goaltender was Hugo Havlid. Defense was uh, Lane Hudson from the U.S., Theo Lindstein from Sweden, and the forwards, no surprise, Cutter Goche, Yuri Kulich, and Jonathan Lakaramaki. Now, as for what else is going on, well, you don't have to look too far. Right here in the Western Hockey League, huge news this week. Kind of been wondering all season, what are the Wenatchee Wild going to decide to do? If you're a casual fan and you don't really know what the story is, last year the Wild were in Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Ice. They were all in on trying to uh, win a league championship and absolutely entered the cupboards when it came to uh, draft picks for the next three or four years in order to load up at the trade deadline. They did. They got all the way to the WHL final. They did not beat the Seattle Thunderbirds. And then they sold the team. So the new owners in Wenatchee, thrilled to have a franchise, but what do you do? It's still a good team. They had some really good returning players. Currently, they are sitting in second place in the Western Conference. Third place overall in the entire league. But as teams around them are making moves, the Prince George Cougars are the top team right now, statistically speaking, in the Western Conference and one point better than Saskatoon overall, although the Blades have a better winning percentage. Both of those teams are making moves. The Moose Jaw Warriors, the Swifter and Broncos, well, they made big moves this week with Wenatchee. The problem with Wenatchee is they're good enough with just a little bit of massaging, maybe a couple of additions to their current roster, they could go for it this year. And that's that's the object, is to win, isn't it? Unfortunately for Wenatchee, they got nothing to be able to use as trade bait. Maybe they want to acquire two or three guys from around the league. They got nothing to give up because they don't have any draft picks. So their hand is kind of forced on them, but it's got to be a tough pill to swallow for Bliss Littler and for the ownership group. He's the GM there, and the fan base. So what they've done is, uh, well, they've made two massive trades, and one much smaller one, Ashton Cumbie, who was uh, uh, dealt to the, I think it was Seattle. But it started with Matthew Savoy being traded to the Moose Jaw Warriors, and I, I like this trade for Moose Jaw because it didn't cost them a roster player at all. They do give up a ton, though. Two first-round picks, 
a second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth, a sixth, and an eighth. Most of those in the next uh, two or three seasons. But those are a lot of picks to give up, a lot of future to give up for Matthew Savoy. So Moose Jaw clearly all in this year. The second trade is the one that raised my eyebrows more. Connor Geeky goes to the Swift Current Broncos. I get it for Wenatchee because obviously if they're trading Savoy, they're trading off. For Swift Current, the Broncos give up a first in 2025, a first in 2026, a second in 2025. Josh Fluker, who was a high draft pick himself, a first round pick. Maddox McGarity, who was a second round pick. So that's five assets right there that are either first or second round caliber. They also give up defenseman Sam Ward and a seventh round pick. So they gave up a ton. I think you can argue they gave up more to get geeky than Moose Jaw did to give up Savoy. Keeping in mind, Moose Jaw didn't de- delete from their active roster at all. Now, the reason I said I get it for Wenatchee and I get it for Moose Jaw, and I'm a little on the fence here with Swift Current, is when the deal was made, the Swift Current Broncos are sitting sixth in the Eastern Conference and uh, seventh if you went by winning percentage. They're actually statistically a little bit a hair behind the Lethbridge Hurricanes. But they're loading up as if they are legit contenders. Ahead of them are the Moose Jaw Warriors and also the Saskatoon Blades, who I would argue right now probably might pick to win the league. They acquired the rights to Alexander Suzdalev uh, from the Regina Pats uh, right at, uh, on New Year's Eve. And he is uh, now joining that team. So they were already the first place team in the conference, and they just uh, picked up a pretty good weapon there who had been playing professionally in Europe. So you got Saskatoon and Moose Jaw. I think a lot of most people would probably argue they're the top two teams now after all of these moves. Medicine Hat has been very good this year. Brandon is sitting fourth in the conference. A lot of rumors that they're going to end up uh, trading Nate Danielson, which is not a move you make if you are trying to win this year. So they might fall back. The Red Deer Rebels, uh, I saw Troy Gillard tweeting out that Brent Sutter is probably not doing a whole lot because of the uh, the prices that are flying around. But it's still a good team. The Lethbridge Hurricanes are still a good team, and they have room to add an overage player, a 20-year-old player, without having a clear space to do so. So just speculation, just throwing out names, like Jeremy Hansel is a 20-year-old in Seattle with, obviously, WHL championship experience. You'd think there'd be a team out there that would want to grab him if they could. I'm not sure what Calgary's plans are, but Sean Chagall is a guy I think would look good on a uh, contending team. Hypothetically, Lethbridge could add a player like those, without having to necessarily give up a player off their roster. So long story short, with as many good teams as there are in the Eastern Conference and the parity this year, there's no guarantee Swift Current is getting out of the second round, let alone the first round. If the playoffs started tomorrow, they'd be playing Moose Jaw in the first round. Now, there's a lot of hockey still to go. In fact, there's a lot, there's still a week before the trade deadline. There could be big moves still to come. Maybe Swift Current's not even done. But it is a lot to give up. When you're currently sitting in the sixth spot, it's ballsy. I I tip my hat to their courage. But it's a team that is kind of underachieved the last year or two, maybe even three years. And they've dealt with some injuries. Reed Dick hasn't played a lot, but apparently he's coming back fairly soon. Matthew Ward, who has been their best player, but has been on the shelf for a while. I think they expect him back come playoff time, at least, if not before that. Hopefully before that, for his sake. It's a good team. They also added... Jakob Dvorak, who is a second-round pick of the Los Angeles Kings, uh, he has now joined the team. He was playing overseas, so he's a big body, six foot five and two hundred pounds, and he is—he's got draft pedigree. 
So take nothing away from him. He's also got zero North American experience. So is it fair to expect this guy to be a huge difference maker right away? I think that would be unfair to the kid. But maybe come playoffs, you know, give him a, a few months to get his feet under him and figure out the Western Hockey League. You know, I understand that playoff revenue is really important to a, a franchise, a small market franchise like that. But if you're knocked out of the playoffs and I've only had four home dates or six home dates, is it enough? Maybe it is. Speaking of the standings, uh, don't look now, but the Edmonton Oil Kings are creeping up. They're still dead last in the Eastern Conference, but they're now just two wins shy of the Regina Pats, who have clearly pulled the shoot on the season. They're also uh, four points back of the Calgary Hitmen and the eighth-place Prince Albert Raiders. It's an eight-point gap between Edmonton and PA. The Oil Kings have at least a game in hand on all three of those teams, and they're playing really good hockey. They are 5-0-1 in their last six. They're currently on a, uh, a road trip now. By the time most people hear this, they're in Kelowna tonight on Friday to take on the Rockets, who are also playing some pretty good hockey. Should be a really good game, actually. But if Edmonton can win that one, they're actually in Calgary on Sunday afternoon. They could be just two points back of Calgary going into that game if things go their way in Kelowna tonight. So Edmonton is starting to make things interesting here as well. They're getting healthy. The acquisition of Grayson Souchin has been good. He's uh, more than a point-per-game player now in four games here with the Oil Kings. Could be interesting. Now, they're not going to be world beaters. If they squeak into the playoffs, they're probably going to be out in four or five games. But a little bit of experience playing meaningful hockey down the stretch and in a first-round series be pretty beneficial to a young team, wouldn't it? Pro Stock Hockey is your online source for authentic Pro Stock Hockey equipment, whether it's sticks or gloves or everything else that you can uh, possibly want. Go to ProStockHockey.com. Take advantage of their New Year's sale all week long today. On their Twitter feed, they uh, have a couple of pictures of Warrior helmets, CCM helmets as well, in uh, multiple different colors. And they also have a contest on right now where you can win a Luke Hughes stick. That's at ProStockHockey.com. As I mentioned, just two guests on uh, this week's episode. Really good ones, though. We're going to have a 2024 Draft Spotlight segment, and uh, we're going to look ahead to the CHL Top Prospect game. Both my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, based out of Red Deer and makers of craft beverages worth sharing, such as the Golden Gates or the Pesky Pig or the Daycation Lager, or you can get orange soda, that's why you go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. Double check to see what their inventory looks like because it does change quite often with seasonal stuff. The two guests that I have for you today. First, we're going to turn on the draft spotlight and get to know Tej Aginla, timely, the Oil Kings in Kelowna this weekend. Really enjoyed the conversation with Tej. I don't think there is a player out of the Western Hockey League whose draft stock has risen as much as his has this year. He's given a B rating at the start of the year by Central Scouting. They've already upgraded him to an A. People who might have had him, you know, as a second or late second round pick, now everybody's got him as a first round pick. He's had a terrific year for the Rockets. Unfortunate that uh, Joe Aginla, the Oil King uh, affiliate player, looked like the plan was that they would be able to play against each other tonight, but he got banged up at the Circle K tournament. So it doesn't sound like that's going to be uh, the case. And uh, Tiege is the the one who actually broke that news to me during our conversation. So you'll hear that coming up in the first segment. And we will close things out. Brock Otten from McKean's is going to join me. 
He's the director of scouting for that publication. Looking ahead to the CHL Top Prospect game, 40 players on their way to Moncton. He'll tell you who to watch for. So lots to get to on this week's episode, and we'll start with Tija Ginla next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Matt Potra from the Guelph Storm. Potra dangles and scores! Matt Potra! Wow! Spectacular spin move out of the corner and pots it! And this is the Pipeline Show. Done. Buddy, want to come over and watch the game? I'll make a big salad. Uh, I don't know, man. Steve, come over and watch the game. I've got a massive salad here. Yeah, my wife needs me to go shopping with her. Mike, want to watch the game and eat salad with me? Who is this? Did I mention I've got a bunch of Will Hawk beef jerky, too? I'll be right over. I'm heading over now. I'm already at your front door. Will Hawk beef jerky. Because you don't win friends with salad. Will Hawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. Scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, everybody. An old man's talking. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Three Edmonton and area locations, Leduc, Spruce Grove, and, of course, right in West Edmonton Mall. We're going to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight and get to know another player who is uh, eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And my next guest is having a heck of a season for the Kelowna Rockets. That's Tiege Aginla. Tiege, welcome to the program. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, uh, but I'm not having a season like you are. Uh, I don't know what you expected at the start of this year, but, I mean, you're playing some really strong hockey, 47 points. In 35 games, 26 of those are goals. And like you're sa- I think you're second in team scoring. You're only 17 years old. Could you have, uh, like, honestly predicted you would have this sort of a season? Oh, uh, yeah. I think uh, this was going in. Uh, I was obviously a, a big year, draft year, and I want to do as well as, as I can and be as impactful as I can for my team and help us win as many games and things like that. So yeah, I think just uh, just put, continuing to put in lots of work and try to keep getting better every day, and I think that's uh, led me to where I am now. Kind of been an up and down season for the team this year. Currently sitting in sixth place, there is a a ten point gap between fifth and sixth, though. So you're looking up at at five pretty good teams in the Western Conference, but you're the top team in that second group of of uh, clubs looking to make the playoffs. How do you feel about the way the team has played this year and maybe more importantly, how it's playing right now? Because you've won seven of your last uh, 10 games. Uh, so it seems like you're turning the corner a bit. Yeah, I think we had a, a solid start to the season, kind of just around 500. Then we started to go up a little bit. Then we had a big, uh, a long losing streak, which is, which is tough for us. And we kind of had to get back to the drawing board and, and figure things out. And then since then, since those nine games, uh, 
we've we've started to play really well. Won won a lot of games. I think if you take out that nine game losing streak, I think like like we we've done really well and we've been playing really well as of late, going into the break and then carrying it forward, winning two out of our three since then, and hopefully the next few as well. So uh, I think we're trending in the right direction, and that's that's kind of what matters at this point in the season. What changed to get you guys out of the slump? Uh, I think when we're when we're when we're in the slump, I think we weren't playing as as well as we could be, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I think just kind of coming together as a team, and it was still early, and just figuring things out together. And I think uh, through it, I think we've gotten stronger. You know, face that adversity together and come out as a better team for sure. For you personally, uh, a new team this year. You started off with the Seattle Thunderbirds last year, went on to uh, help them win a WHL championship. I know you played three games in the playoffs, so you weren't a, an everyday player. Do you, do you still, I mean, you got to take ownership of that. You're still a WHL champion, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a cool experience and uh, I'm glad to have been a part of that and uh, met so many, so many cool guys and, and, and nice guys and good players too. So it was a, uh, Definitely uh, an experience that I value a lot. Well, the uh, the trade to Kelowna is certainly working out well for you. At the time, though, were you surprised by that, or did you know it was happening? Uh, how did that come about, and what was your reaction? Uh, yeah, I, I knew a little bit. So uh, when it was finally released, I was pretty pretty pumped to get to go back home and, and join the Rockets and live at home and stuff. So I'm uh, glad for, for all the opportunities that they've presented me with, and I want to keep uh, making the most out of it as much as I can for sure. Tease again of the Kelowna Rockets, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2024 Draft Spotlight. Uh, and uh, Tease the Pipeline Show, it's a junior and college hockey show. Uh, I do color for the Oil Kings, so I'm around the WHL a lot. And my regular audience will certainly know who you are. Uh, there'll be some casual NHL fans who might not follow the Western Hockey League at all, though, but because of uh, you're a, a key eligible player for the NHL Draft, and obviously people will recognize your last name, There'll be some interest in getting to know you a little bit more, but from people who don't know you at all. So maybe let's let's start at the beginning, get some background if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, you said yeah, Kelowna, going back yeah. home. Uh, born and raised in Kelowna? Uh, not quite, no, but uh, <laughs> just just born, not quite raised. So yeah. I was born in, in uh, Kelowna in the summer, and then lived uh, with my family in Calgary where my dad was playing until I was six. Then he got a one year in Boston, so moved there. Then three years in Colorado after that, and then he hung him up after that. So that was when I was played till I was till I was ten, and then we moved back to Boston because I guess we just liked it there, the schooling and the hockey and stuff. So we moved back to Boston for four more years, hmm. and then when I was fifteen, back here to Kelowna to play in the CSHL and the academy right. system and stuff, and then sixteen, seventeen, junior. So. Born but not raised, but uh, yeah, still still call it home. And that was where I was going to go next. Is a guy who's traveled as much as you have and have, and has lived in as many places. How do you decide what you feel is your hometown? I mean, that's where you are now. Uh, and uh, I, I think in the summers you guys probably went back to the to the Okanagan Valley uh, quite often. No, yeah, we uh, the house I live in now is always uh, yeah like a summer summer thing. So uh, yeah, now it's just now it's home. Full, full year round type of thing. 
All right. Well, the next question that I ask guys is usually who got you into hockey. I think it's pretty obvious uh, how hockey came into your uh, your life with a, a father who's in the hockey hall of fame. Uh, but you got an older sister who plays, a younger brother who plays. I mean, it certainly seems to be genetic for you. Did you know early on? Like, was there ever a time in your youth where you're like, you know, I don't want to play hockey, or has it always just been I'm a hockey player? Yeah, it might be a bit of a boring answer, but I guess yeah, like you said, like I couldn't I couldn't imagine uh wanting to, to do or trying to do anything else. Like hockey is just such a big part of my life and I wanna play it as long as I possibly can for sure. You're a forward. Have you always been a forward or did you try other positions along the way? Yeah, my uh my brother and sister tried a bit of bit of D at times, but I was I was uh kinda always forward the, the whole time. A lot of guys I'll talk to, maybe when they're seven or eight, their you know minor hockey league team didn't have a full time goaltender, so a lot of them would take a turn uh, putting the pads on. Did you have a night like that? Yeah, I did. Back when uh, when they didn't have goalies, so one guy, whatever, for a game would have to have to play. Yeah, and there were no pads or anything. You just like stand in that. Oh, really? That was actually pretty decent. I remember. Yeah, I remember like a couple nice uh, kick saves, <laughs> sending the puck out a uh, out a uh, out a. Uh, out into like the netting, so so no no chance of a rebound. I remember a few that I can that I can think of. So that was that was interesting, kind of fun, but not exactly what I wanted to. I was always thrilled when I got the nod for goalie, but got to take your turn, right? But no pads. No, not at whatever age I'm thinking of. Well, would that have been in Canada, or would that have been in uh, one of the uh, the final stops for your dad's uh, NHL career? Oh, uh, Canada, yeah, like when I was like before six. Interesting. All right. Uh, take me back to the uh, the Bandman draft, and uh, I, I know a lot of guys were at school or at home or trying to follow it along wherever they were. Uh, a little bit different, I think your your year was uh, impacted by uh, uh, by COVID. Um, what was uh, draft day like for you? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we were. I was with my RHA Kelowna U eighteen midget team. Uh, we were on the road, and I think it was. Uh, I don't know, maybe Shawnigan in Shawnigan or, or something on the, on the Vancouver Island there. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So we were just all in a room, me and, uh, my teammates, uh, Ryder Ritchie and Gavin McKenna, like all <laughs> those, well, I guess Gavin McKenna wasn't that draft, but Ryder Ritchie, Maddox McKegarty. So we, uh, the Vaughns. So we had a lot of guys, uh, hearing their names called there in that room. And it was, it was a fun, fun experience and really, really cool to, called by the by the Thunderbirds and it was a really fun day for sure well you didn't have to wait long ninth overall pick uh year and uh man such a it's amazing uh depth on your club team that year with so many guys being drafted that must have been a lot of fun to to share that experience yeah it was really cool we had a we had a good team Our, we weren't we weren't we weren't like the best team in the league because we had a lot of young guys and it's a the in midget you know it's 15 16 17 sure so we had a lot of 15 year olds and then 14 year old McKenna. So we had a lot of star power, but kind of younger, younger, uh, guys just, uh, in that older league. So it was, uh, it was a fun experience and a fun year and definitely, uh, yeah, definitely great memories from that year for sure. Well, you know, unless it's Kelowna, the odds are pretty good that you're uh, going to be moving away from home at a young age. And some guys would get nervous, especially if it was outside of uh, the country, but having, uh, lived south of the border yourself for a while was going to seattle uh, a little less intimidating for you than it might have been for a lot of guys oh uh, yeah maybe but i i don't think that like the you know like 
just because I live in the country, it's still moving away from home, and that's still a big, big step. But I, I felt ready for it, and I knew, kind of knew that that was what I wanted to do. And and uh, yeah, I knew kind of that was going to happen at 16. That's kind of when 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 you go away, and and I was obviously uh, there's like unknowns, and mm-hmm. but it's fun too. So it's a great experience to to have for sure, leaving home and getting the billet and super thankful for uh, my billets welcoming me into their house and things like that. But yeah, it was a, it was a good year and it's definitely helped me grow up. I think for sure. Teaser Gindle, my guest here on the pipeline show. Uh, now this season, you mentioned it, it's a big year. It's your NHL draft season. It's I'm sure something you've had circled on your, on your calendar for a long time. Uh, now that it's here, how do you deal with uh, all the, the, the pressure and the scrutiny or do you feel it? Um. Yeah, I think I just, I'm just a hockey player. And I just try to try to play hockey, and uh, you know there are questionnaires and, and calls and things like that, which are definitely uh, a blessing. But I think I don't know if it's still early, or because uh, you know the, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure, I might be a little more nervous of things like the combine and mm-hmm. and uh, obviously like draft day and things like that. But it still feels a little bit far away. So I'm just uh, right now just just focusing on the next game and just playing hockey and having fun with it and doing my best, I think. Well, you got a big event coming up with the uh, CHL Top Prospect game. I, I imagine that's something that you're looking forward to. Does it mean anything in particular to you, or do you kind of have to treat it just like another game? Um, yeah, I'm super, super excited for that, and uh, it'll be a great opportunity and super grateful to be there. And, yeah, I think everyone will be going going hard there because, you know, best on best, trying to, show an NHL team why they should take you instead of another guy. So that'll definitely be some competitive hockey, and I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of players will tell me that they, they try not to think about the draft. They don't want it to be become a distraction and, and get them off their game. Uh, there are a number of players, though, m- might even be a growing amount of players, who tell me they, they actively you know Google themselves, who's got me rated where, and they kind of use that as uh, as motivation. Are you a guy who looks at rankings and things like that? Yeah, a little bit. I I pay a little bit of attention to those things. I don't think it's a it's a bad thing to have, uh, kind of the draft in the back of your mind. If anything, I think it's another reason to play better. So I see that as like, yeah, use whatever you can as motivation for sure. And and because uh, yeah, it's obviously like like I said, it's an important year, and you want to do as, as as well as you can as well as you can. And if you're doing doing better, playing better hockey, playing harder then that's going to help your team. So I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand like that. So I'm curious then what your reaction was when Central Scouting put out their first ranking and their, or their watch list and they gave you a B. I mean, was that a motivating thing for you? Because uh, from the outside looking, in, it really seemed like you kind of responded to that and, and almost took it personal. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I definitely, obviously, I want to want to be an A and I'm competitive and I want to see myself as, as high as, as possible. But I think coming off of, of last year and I didn't get quite uh, as much opportunity as I as uh, some other guys in my class. So I, I felt like I knew it might I might not be, you know, right right up there sure. at the top right off the bat. So I just kinda knew that it might take a little bit of time, but just keep keep working and in a few months time hopefully things will look different type of thing. So I guess that's kind of my thought process at the time. Well, for that portion of the audience I was talking about who might not follow the WHL at all, maybe they've never seen you play before. 
Can you give us a bit of a, a self-scouting report uh, and what they should expect when they tune in to watch a Rockets game? I mean, we can look and see the stats are really impressive, but they don't always tell the whole story. So how do you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, I think I'm, uh, uh, I'd like to say I'm a competitive, hardworking, offensive-minded player uh, with a good shot, good goal-scoring touch, and uh, a good skater and I'd say fast and and powerful as well. So I think that's kind of what I what I try to be and how I like to look at my game. Have your line mates been pretty much the same all year, or has there been some juggling there as the team kind of found its way? Yeah, there's. I haven't played with uh, the same guys all year, so there's been a <laughs> little bit of juggling at times. I've got to got to play with uh, Crystal, Crystal and uh, Stutes there. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go with those guys try to get open i know they're going to find me and and then other other really good players to play with as well i've played a lot with uh chichek gosich uh so i guess those would probably be the i guess honestly chichek and gosich i've played a lot with this year and I, I like playing with them they're really good players and so yeah those those four kind of i'd say okay are you on the wing on the left wing or in the middle or do you play on your off wing where do you line up or does that change too yeah, it changes a bit. I've been playing on uh, quite a bit of wing recently, left wing, but I also like to play center and think I can do both and be a, a good center as well. Uh, this weekend, you uh, take on the Edmonton Oil Kings, and uh, I don't know if it's still the plan or not. You might know more than I do, but I know before Christmas, uh, your, your little brother Joe got to play a couple of games with the Oil Kings, and it seemed like the plan might be that you get to play against each other this weekend. Is that something you've ever done before? I don't know, with a couple of years difference, I'm guessing you never got to play in the same league at the same time before, have you? No, we haven't. And actually, I might have to wait a little bit longer for that, unfortunately, because he's uh, coming off his Circle K. He got a little bit banged up. So oh, I don't no. know. I don't think, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to be playing. So it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. You got to get healthier or whatever so yeah i might have to wait a little bit longer unfortunately oh that is too bad yeah i was looking forward to it okay well maybe it'll happen next year then we might have to wait that long but um when that comes around i mean that'll be something that i'm sure you've been talking about together the two of you and and uh looking forward to that event yeah definitely that'll be that'll be fun look at yourself at at his age uh, I think you both played for the uh, the Rink Hockey Academy at, on the U18 team. You had 48 points in 32 games that year. He's kind of on a similar pace right now. Are there more similarities to differences between you and, and Joe, or are are you guys different players? Um, I don't. I, I, I'm not. I'm not really too sure yet exactly what is. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, when you're when you're younger exactly like sure what his style is. But I think he's a offensive, obviously like a offensive player like me and i think he's got a good good scoring touch and and sees ice well and makes good plays so i think he'll be a good good uh scorer and playmaker but i like you said like or like i said sorry i don't know exactly it'll take a little bit more time to for me to give you an exact play style scouting report type thing tj always in these uh asking guys what they do away from hockey when you're not playing maybe it's the summer uh, and you're unwinding uh, back home. Uh, what do you like to do when you're not playing hockey or training for hockey with uh, just to unwind? Um, I like I like messing around with other sports. I used to be a competitive baseball player as well with hockey until I was 15. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I like just 
playing basketball, ping pong, tennis, things like that. Uh, I like sometimes I'll like play chess with my dad and just fun little competition thing, things like those. So we, we get, uh, we get into it with, uh, whatever, whatever the, the event is, but yeah, we have a lot of fun and like to play stuff and with me and my siblings and stuff, play a little two on two basketball sometimes in the summer, things like that. Are you always competitive? I, I'm guessing that the entire family must be competitive. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I, I can imagine why you wouldn't want to, why you'd ever want to lose something. So I, yeah, I try to, I try to win whatever it is, but yeah, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Excellent. DJ, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season with the Rockets. Whatever happens at the draft, uh, maybe we'll get a chance to uh, to chat again one day. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Tej Aginla from the Kelowna Rockets, who will be off to the CHL's top prospect game at the end of this month. But uh, what a heck of a year he is having. And I liked his answer when I asked him about the getting a B grade from Central Scouting at the start of the year. Now we reflected back, well, coming off his season with the Seattle Thunderbirds where he wasn't necessarily an everyday player, or at least he was playing much further down the depth chart, didn't get as uh, much exposure as a lot of the other players in the draft class this year, at least not to start. And he knew that was going to be the case, and he's already been upgraded to an A, obviously, and everybody that I've seen, every ranking I've seen out there has him as a solid first-round pick. And I know some people probably were are wondering why I didn't mention his uh, dad a whole lot in Jerome McGinley. And just, I'm sure every interview he, he does, he's probably getting asked, how how much are you like your father? And I told him before we started, I wouldn't do that. Give him a break on that subject. The one question about his dad I wish I w- did ask, though, was just the pressure that the name bar maybe carries. Because, I mean, is there anybody who has anything negative to say about Jerome McGinley as a hockey player or as a person? I, I can't think of anybody who thinks or who has ever said, you know what, Jerome McGillan, nah, not a big fan. I don't think there's anybody that I've heard say something like that. Nothing negative about uh, Jerome McGillan, and there must be a little bit of pressure to to live up to that, to follow in those footsteps. And I didn't ask him about that, but maybe I should have. But at the same time, you know, he, his brother, and his sister, they're their own players and uh, their own people, and... uh Wanted to give him a bit of a respite on having to answer those particular questions with this interview. But I'm pulling no punches with my next guest. Brock Otten from McKean's Hockey is going to join me. We're going to talk about the CHL Top Prospect game. The uh, 40 players who have been invited. Who's he looking forward to seeing on a stage like that? We'll find out when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Raymond stays with him, Lafreniere pokes it ahead, still has it, rolling puck, Lafreniere works in, shoots, scores! What a goal by Alexi Lafreniere! A superstar in the making! This is Alexi Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Kings are Edmonton's first choice for family fun. Your Edmonton Oil Kings are back in the thick of it, taking the WHL by storm. And you can be right there cheering them on. Great family entertainment starts at just $20 a seat or never miss a game with season seats as low as $9 per game. Thrilling Western Hockey League action, amazing theme nights, and special price kids food combos at every home game for $10 or less. The entertainment value is king-sized. Secure your seat for the next action-packed, exciting Oil Kings home game today at oilkings.ca. 
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hot damn! Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming and uh, the program, again, of course, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky with uh, three locations in the Edmonton area or go to their website and they'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. Last segment, we had a draft spotlight uh, featuring Tija Ginla from the Kelowna Rockets. He'll be off to the CHL Top Prospect game, and that's where we're going to shift our focus to now as uh, we're happy to bring back Brock Otten from McKean's Hockey. Uh, Brock, welcome back. How are things for you? Good, good, thanks. Uh, busy around the holidays. Obviously, great to have the World Juniors on, so mm-hmm. that obviously makes uh, the holidays even more special. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, really good. Good start to the new year and uh, looking forward to uh, the second half of uh, the CHL season and uh, getting in closer and closer to the NHL draft. It's always fun. There's always lots to talk about. And now we've got the top prospect game. The next big event after the World Junior uh, wraps up, which as we're speaking right now, uh, they, uh, they've they got, uh, what, three more games to go. Semifinals and, uh, and the gold medal game. And I guess four games because the the bronze medal game too. But uh, yeah, lots to look forward to. Uh, I guess maybe before we get to the top prospect game, immediate early reactions to what you've seen at the World Junior? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, probably best to start with Canada. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to throw any of those those young men under the bus. Sure. But I, I can't say I'm necessarily surprised by our performance. Uh, I was at um, the actual training camp there in, in Oakville. And I just didn't see a roster that I thought could really compete with some of the better nations this year. I just didn't see a roster that had the speed, had the scoring to keep up. And ultimately, that's sort of what we saw, right? And it's definitely disappointing not being able to go for that three-peat. But um, I don't think it was necessarily in the cards this year. It just wasn't. And I think at this point, it's, it's the U.S.'s. To lose, in, in my opinion, I think they've played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sweden has shown some great play and some sort of, well, we'll call it uninspired play. I, I think they they still have more left in the tank, whereas I think the U.S. has been the most consistently dominant team. Um, and, and that's sort of what I would expect the, the gold medal outcome to be. It's what I predicted uh, pre-tournament, and I think I'll probably keep that prediction. Yep, I think that's fair. I also had the U.S. winning with the Sweden uh, getting the silver. I did have Canada getting bronze, but I thought uh, Canada or Slovakia would be the bronze medal game, and both of those countries uh, getting eliminated in the quarterfinals. All right, let's move on to the uh, the top prospect game. It is scheduled for Moncton, uh, New Brunswick, uh, later on this month, and there's 40 players who are uh, going to be taking part. And we were kind of talking about it before we started. You can always question, all right, who didn't get invited? But there's always some injuries that lead up. And so we might see a player or two who uh, are, are removed from the rosters and guys substituted in. If that was the case, you were mentioning a guy from uh, the WHL that you thought might be the first guy on the list. Yeah, Miguel Marquez. Uh, I think that he was the name that really jumped out at me when I first saw the roster list. He's somebody that uh, we consider sort of in that second round range right now for our latest update. Uh, I've seen him in quite a few first rounds uh, mm-hmm. of late. So he was definitely sort of a, a shocking omission. He was somebody that I was actually kind of excited to, to see at the event. He plays the style of game that, that makes this game so exciting, right? He He's sort of an all-around high-energy guy, brings physicality, brings a lot of skill. Um, those are the types of players who usually do really well in this game, in this in this single event, right? Um, so I was kind of disappointed, uh, like you said, 
maybe he still gets added. There's going to be an injury or two. There right. always is. Um, there's always a couple of replacements. So hopefully he's one of them because I, re- I would really like to see him at this event. Brock, I'm interested to know because you cover the OHL extensively. Uh, when do you have an event like this that brings uh, OHL players, but also from the Q and from the WHL all together, do you focus your scouting attention more on the, the players you're less familiar with? Or do you look at the OHL guys and see, okay, let me see how they fare and what I see from them in a regular season game, how it compares to a game like this where they're playing against the best of the best in their peer group? That's a really good question. Uh, honestly, I do think I focus a little bit more on the players outside of my region, right? Just to get uh, a really good understanding of what they bring to the table. But that doesn't mean that I, I completely ignore the Ontario guys when I'm watching a, an event like this. It is great to see sort of a measuring stick to see where certain guys fall in because you have your personal biases and you have certain guys that you might really like but you kind of don't really know how they fall into place. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, Lucas Fisher. He's a defenseman in Sarnia. He's, he's Yuri Fisher's son. He's not playing on a great team in Sarnia, um, but he's playing a lot, and he's got a, a really intriguing set of, of physical tools. And his play has been pretty inconsistent because he's playing for a relatively poor team this year. So he's a guy, even though he is in my region, he's a guy that I do really like. I want to see how he does at this event playing maybe on a little bit more of a grander scale than he is in Sarnia right now, where the expectation isn't necessarily to be a championship quality team, right? So uh, I want to see how he stands out in this event. Okay, there's four goalies, of course. Uh, Dawson Cowan plays for Spokane, Carter George and Owen Sound, Ryerson Leanders with the Mississauga Steelheads, and Lucas Mataka, uh, who is with the Tri-City Americans. Uh, Now, he's a guy who was eligible last year, but now getting a lot more exposure uh, playing in the CHL is one of those four clearly the the uh, the cream of the crop, or is this a, a little bit more wide open of a field than we often see? Well, I, I mean, I, you already used the word bias, so I'm going to throw it out <laughs> again. But I, I do truly believe that Carter George and, and Ryerson Landers are the two best goalies available this year, and not just in the CHL. Uh, I think they're the two best goalies in this entire draft crop. Wow, and. I think we saw that from George at the Helenka Gretzky, where he was really solid after replacing Gabriel Dague for Canada as the starter. And he's been really good this year in the OHL for an Owen Sound team. That has kind of disappointed a little bit, but it's certainly not because of George. And Leanders has been really, really good for a really good Mississauga team. Both of those guys have been two of the best goalies in the OHL. And neither of them has the size profile that scouts are looking for now. They're, they're, both kind of in that six foot, six foot one range. They're not huge, but they're both athletic. They both read the play really well. I think they both have a really high upside as goaltenders at the next level. And in my opinion, I just don't see any other goalie that that matches the upside that these two have at this current moment. And I know um, our Western guys really like Mateka. Um, they, regardless of the fact that you know he is. Uh, a re-entry guy, I think that doesn't really matter anymore. Um, we always see uh, goalies selected high that are in their second or third year of eligibility. Adam Diane, uh, who had a really solid World Juniors last year, this year, he's a perfect example of that, right? Um, so uh, I don't think that matters quite as much. Uh, he's a guy that actually uh, I'm curious to see. 
at this event. I know we mentioned that with the with the previous question, but but Tekka is somebody that I'm definitely going to be focusing on. Well, it makes sense with goaltenders when you talk about guys in their second year of eligibility, maybe getting drafted, kind of being overlooked in their first year. A lot of them are as playing as backups uh, behind a guy who's already been drafted or something like that. So it's tough to evaluate a guy who's maybe getting 15, 20 games or something like that and determine that you want to use a draft pick on him. So it, it kind of makes sense that some of these guys don't get drafted uh, when they're first time eligible, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the trend that we're seeing too is it's a lot of the European goalies um, because they're just not finding the playing time that they need, right? Uh, right. Adam Guyan is, is another, uh, is a perfect example of that, right? Came over last year, worked his way up from the NAHL, uh, got some playing time in the USHL finally after the World Juniors. Um, definitely an unconventional route, but these guys are doing what they have to do now to be seen. And for goaltenders, like you said, if they get stuck playing for a bad team that's just constantly giving up odd man opportunities and uh, a really lopsided score, it's hard to stand out, right? Um, or if they're a backup somewhere and they're not able to, to get the playing time they need. So, yeah, it, it makes sense for not only European goalies who are trying to break in at various levels of pro clubs, but also for, for goalies in in North America. Brock Otten from McKean's my guest, looking at the CHL Top Prospect game going later this month in Moncton, New Brunswick. Uh, you mentioned Lucas Fisher, a defenseman. He's one of 12 guys playing on the blue line in this event. And it's a really good year for defensemen, isn't it? Not just in the OHL where you've, you've got guys like Sam Dickinson and Zane Perak and, and, uh, and the like, Henry Muse as well, who's been on the show. Although his, is it fair to say the stock, uh, the draft stock for Muse has kind of gone down a little bit? Not that he's fallen out of the first round or, or maybe he has uh, for, for some people, but I know he was touted higher at the start of the year preseason than he might be right now. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. And I think a lot of people are trying to figure out what Muse is, right? Like, he skates really well. I think that there is definitely offensive upside. I think that there is defensive upside because he does have a bit of jam to his game. He's not big, but he does play with a little bit of jam. The decision-making, the puck management, all of that is relatively inconsistent at this point. Ottawa as a team maybe hasn't been as good in the OHL as people expect them to be. And I think some of that definitely falls on, on Muse and some of the other younger players on that roster. I think it's more of a case of you've got a lot of other guys who have better physical tools passing Muse. I don't know if it's necessarily something that he's done to, to cause himself to fall. More so there are guys who have risen because they just have a, a little bit better profile to be uh, a pro player or, or a pro standout. Right. I'm wondering if one of those guys is Carter Yakumchuk with the Calgary Hitmen because he is the real deal. Uh, he's been in, seems like he's been in the league for a few years already. Uh, and I remember the first game I saw him playing for Calgary against the Oil Kings. He was a standout as a 16 year old. Uh, and I don't think he's taken a step back in any regard. Uh, what are your thoughts on Yakumchuk? And I'm assuming he's a guy that's kind of circled on your, on your, uh, your roster page to, to watch him in an event like this. Big time. He, he would be one of the main ones that I'm really trying to focus on because uh, I felt like last year I had some, some questions about his skating. And I, I mentioned that to our Western guys at McKean's and they kind of agreed that the skating was kind of just average for a guy with his profile. Um, but in watching him this year and, and talking with our Western guys, they feel like his skating has improved a lot this year. And I think that's why we're seeing such improved play, improved consistency, improved offensive production from him. And he's somebody that I really want to see play at this event to see how 
that skating holds up with the pace of this event, right? Like for those who've never been to the CHL Top Prospects game live, even, even on TV, you can just tell that the pace of this game is great. It is one of the faster paced events uh, on the calendar, in, in my opinion. And players who aren't great skaters typically in the history of this event do stand out for negative reasons. Um, it's definitely something that you can really tell from this single event is that skating ability. There's two defensemen from the queue. There are no goaltenders from uh, the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that name change. But uh, the uh, the two defensemen from the queue, uh, Thomas Lavoie, who's been on the show from the Cape Breton Eagles, and uh, Spencer Gill from Ramuski. Uh, I haven't seen either play, though. So are you in this a similar camp? I'm sure you've seen video on them or whatever. But uh, what do you know about these guys, th- both of those players? A little bit similar camp. I definitely know more about Spencer Gill. He's somebody that when we were having our meetings for our recent rankings release of our top 64, he was somebody that almost made it in. Um, but our it's interesting because our video guys and some of our other guys like myself um, and Derek Newmeyer out West who do get that crossover uh, viewing well, really liked Gill and, and what he brought to the table as sort of one of those easy to project guys, right? Uh, decent size, decent mobility, definitely has a good head for the game. Maybe not the highest upside, but somebody who it's easy to see him being a pro player in some capacity, right? Even if it's more of a defensive role, whereas our Q guys actually kind of felt like his upside was too limited and that he would be able to, to be an NHL player in, in some capacity. So it's, it's always interesting when, when you're having these types of meetings and, the video guys who are seeing most of these players on videos like somebody, but the ones who are watching them live don't like them as much, right? I always find that very interesting. And, and Gil is definitely one of those players. So, yeah, he's he's somebody, uh, Lavoie, as, as, as well, because I know he was a high draft pick in, in the Q draft. Um, both of those players, uh, because it's not necessarily the strongest here for the Q, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they stand out. And uh, obviously, I know we're talking defense, but I think it's a perfect segue to talk about uh, Real Boyard who is one of the other guys that I really had circled um, for this event because he's another one that kind of divided our scouting staff when it came to our rankings. I've seen him in the first round. I've seen him much lower in other um, scouting agencies uh, and talking to people. The opinions are all over the map uh, on him. He's one of those toolsy guys. The consistency hasn't necessarily been there, right? So um, I really want to see how he holds up in an event like this. Yeah, and uh, Boyard is, like, there's only two forwards from the queue here. There's only four guys from the queue in this entire game out of 40 players, unless I miss somebody. Uh, you you touched mm-hmm. on that briefly. It's, it's not a great year for the queue. Uh, why do you think that is? I mean, it's, is it just a cyclical thing? It's Some years are really good for a league, and this year happens to not be their year? Yeah, it, definitely. Um, we saw that with, with the OHL last year. It was definitely a little bit of a weaker year for the OHL this year. It's It's... Yeah, well, depending on who you ask, because um, <laughs> I know there are quite a few people who are who are down on this OHL crop. I'm not one of them. I don't think it's the strongest one, but I don't think it's it's the weakest either. I kind of think it's it's in the middle ground. Um, I, I don't I don't think there's anything or any reason to really overthink it. I think it's just um, not as strong of a year for the Q. I, I think what you're also looking at is a lot of the guys that are really good in this age group for the Q maybe aren't necessarily high at NHL prospects. A guy that's not listed as part of this, who probably surprised some people, I know we talked about that earlier, um, would be Justin Poirier. Um, he was on the Helenka Gretzky team, 
wasn't uh, in this event. Is kind of a smaller guy, maybe not uh, liked as much by NHL scouts as opposed to, you know, the amateur scouting community. Sure. So he's somebody that is considered one of the better players of this age group in the queue, but isn't at this event. Um, so there's quite a few guys that sort of fall in that range that are good junior players, maybe not necessarily great uh, NHL draft prospects. So I think that's sort of what we're looking at in terms of the discrepancy here. Yeah, I understand. He's got 29 goals and 43 points, uh, Poirier does, in 37 games. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But I understand what you're saying. Great junior player doesn't always mean a great NHL potential. Uh, and maybe that's why he's not right. at this event. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, that it's it's not a great year for the Q. It's a, a decent year again, or a, a pretty good year for the OHL. At the start of the season, I thought it was going to be a step back for the WHL compared to last year, but I don't know if that's the case. I think the WHL, forward-wise, again, really strong this year. There's no Connor Bedard, but there's very rarely a Connor Bedard, period, in the uh, the draft. But again, this is a really good year, and I know you have a WHL forward uh, ranked, I believe, a third overall in your December rankings at McKean's. That'd be Caden Lindstrom. Not just him, but overall your sense of the, the crop from out west here this year. Are you thinking it's as good as I am? Yeah, I really do. I think it's a great group from the dub. I think, without question, uh, this is the best group from the CHL this year. Better than the O, better than the Q, obviously. Um, yeah, the, there's just a, a lot of really interesting players in terms of in my opinion, guys that have high upside, right? You, and Kate Lindstrom is, is a perfect example of that, right? We're looking at those toolsy types that have the size, that have the skills, that maybe aren't putting it all together from a consistency standpoint, but the upside is, is there. Berkeley Cat, another one, right? Um, uh, you're looking at Ryder Ritchie. You're, like, you can just go down the list. Mm-hmm. Adam Yeko, who hasn't played uh, a lot with Edmonton because he's been injured, but um, he's another sort of high toolsy guy, right? Huge winger um, that has some skill. How he puts it all together, I don't think we necessarily know yet, but there's a lot of those types of players, and those are the guys that, that I find the most interesting. And, um, you know, just, just to sort of, again, segue into it, I think the one guy that I'm really curious to see from the dub is Andrew Basha, uh, Lindstrom's teammate, mm. because I want to see how – I'm really hoping – that they put him on an opposite team. I, I know that sometimes they'll tend to pair guys up and try to pair them on lines uh, just for to make the event better, to make the players more comfortable. But I really love to see them on opposite teams uh, when they announce the actual rosters for, for both teams because I want to see how he stands out away from Lindstrom because every time I've watched Medicine Hat this year, I've been really impressed by Basha. But I've also had a tough time kind of deciphering what is the upside here? It, can Basha be that Jake Gensel type where, you know, he's that really, really high-end complimentary piece? Or is he more of one of those middle six guys, jack-of-all-trades, kind of versatile player who can move up and down the lineup, right? And mm. I, I think that that's why we're sort of seeing him in that late first round, early second round range and not higher, despite the fact that he's had a really good year, right? And um, Basha is definitely somebody that that I'm really curious to see from the west of this event in the forward group. Anyone else from the WHL that we should touch on before we uh, move to the OHL and, and while well, we already did the two-player side of the queue, but uh, anyone else from the west you want to talk about? Yeah, I think the only other guy would be Colton Roberts. I know we're going back on, on defense here, but he's another guy that has a really interesting physical profile, in my opinion. 
big guy, skates well. The offensive game has been kind of inconsistent this year playing for Vancouver, but I think there's something there. And I know our WHL guys really, really like him. And he's somebody that I could see if he closes out the year well, likely, in my opinion, a member of the under-18 team based on where Vancouver is in the WHL standings right now. Right. And not just a member, but probably somebody who plays on the top four of that team. So he's going to get a really good opportunity there. Um, he's somebody that I could see moving up the list kind of steadily over the course of the year, just because his profile is going to be very interesting to, to NHL scouts because I think there are a lot of different possible outcomes when it comes to his development and the path that it takes. Some of the other uh, WHL guys we didn't touch on, uh, Tanner Howe with the Regina Pats, I really like him. TJ Ginla, who I just had on the show right in the segment before you, a uh, really interesting player, and uh, his stock has just gone up, up, up since the start of the season. Tarek Parasak, who's a rookie this year, came seemingly out of nowhere, was leading the league in scoring for like a month and a half. He's kind of come back down to earth a little bit, but... Yeah, lots of talent from the WHL. In the OHL, I want to ask you about Beckett Seneca. On paper, this is a guy who looks like he's got everything. He's got size. He's putting up numbers. Uh, I see people have him, I, even including uh, McKean's, has him sort of later in the in the first round. Does he leave you wa- wanting a little bit more than uh, than he's delivered so far? Yeah, I think that's sort of a fair statement. Oshawa has been kind of up and down this year. Um, they weren't expected to be one of the better teams in the East in the first place, but um, he's still with consistency. Uh, I think that's sort of been the big thing for, for Seneca. And he, he's grown a lot in the last year. He's up to 6'3". When he was drafted, he was under six foot or just pushing six foot. Mm. So there's been a huge growth spurt there. And I think he's sort of still trying to figure out how best to use that. Um, interestingly enough, I think his skating has actually gotten better this year. Uh, which is definitely not what you see when these players hit these huge growth spurts. Um, but he's got a really good hands. He's got a heavy shot. Um, he plays with some physical intensity, can be really good on the four check. The defensive game, the, the two-way game, the three-zone game, that's been fairly inconsistent, even though he has the length to play that game. Overall, I, I think the word that fits best is inconsistency and I think he's another guy that's going to get a lot of opportunity in the second half of the year. He's probably going to be on the UAT team as well and, and play a big role. I think another thing that also sort of goes against him when we're talking about draft hype, and I use some air quotations there, even though our uh, listeners at home can't uh, can't see them. He wasn't on the Helenka Gretzky team, and that can sort of hold down the hype train on, on players, um, especially in the, in the public sphere. Um, so he's somebody that I think maybe is flying under the radar a little bit based on the strength of team he's playing on the OHL, the consistency issues, the fact that he wasn't on the Holinka Gretzky team. But the profile is there. He's a guy that I think has top six upside uh, as an NHL player. And um, I think he's going to have a, a stronger second half of the year and I think slowly move up lists. Personally, uh, I prefer Liam Greentree. And I, I don't know if that's a guy that you want to chat about? Yeah, he is, actually. He's on my list. Perfect. I, I think that Green Tree is just a little bit more skilled, um, a little bit better away from the puck, uh, a little bit more dynamic as a mover. Uh, I think that just in every category, uh, I like Green Tree's upside just that little bit more than Seneca. I think that the downside is definitely greater. I, I think that um, Green Tree is more of that classic 
I wouldn't say boom or bust, whereas I see Seneca as finding or carving out a career in some capacity. Greentree is the type that uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to play a checking line role at the NHL level, the way that he possibly sort of does at times at the OHL level, but the skill is really high end. He's, in my opinion, he's one of the more skilled players uh, from the CHL in this draft crop. Um, and I think that he's playing on a really poor Windsor team this year that's right. really struggled. Um, and he didn't, again, he was sort of like the 13th forward for Canada at Donald Gretzky. So people didn't really get an opportunity to see what kind of player he is. But I think when people do get that opportunity, like an event like this, they're going to see that Green Tree is somebody that, in my opinion, has among the highest upside of, of any winger uh, available this year. And if he's, I'm not sure what, if he's late birthday or not, I'm just looking it up right now, but uh, no, he's no six, so he could play in the U18s this year. And if Windsor doesn't, I mean, if the standings hold the way they are and they're not in the in the playoffs, he's a guy who might take advantage of a, a showcase like the, the World U18. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think I posted it on Twitter maybe about a week ago or, or relatively recently, uh, or I should say X, sorry, uh, <laughs> on X uh, relatively recently, uh, just a potential team for the U18s. I always like looking at that around the January, around, around New Year's, because you kind of have an idea of, of where certain teams sort of stand and you kind of make a rough prediction. Right. And the forward group for that team is looking just incredible, right? You could easily have a first line of Liam Greentree, Berkeley Cadden and Beckett Seneca. And there are, it just goes on and on and on, right? There's some really good USHL players who could be part of that uh, grouping. Um, depending on where certain things happen in the WHL, uh, a Ginla could be part of that team. Um, that forward group could just be really, really, really strong. All right. Well, this has got me jacked to uh, watch the top prospect game at the end of the month. Anybody else, before I let you go, uh, that you want to give a shout-out about? Yeah, you, you can't, can't tease the people like that. I'm going to give you one more name. All I'm right. going to give you another name from the OHL, and he's been injured uh, for the first part of the year of, of the OHL season, only recently returning, and that's Gabriel Frasca. Mm-hmm. He is somebody that uh, I think has been really good since he came back from injury for Kingston. He's got a really good shot, really good head for the game at both ends, just a really solid all-around player. And I think the fact that he just hasn't played much this year, it's kind of have him flying under the radar a little bit. And I think he's somebody that could have a really good performance at this game and make people kind of go like, whoa, you know, who's this guy, right? Because uh, I haven't really seen him, other than the fact that, NHL Central Scouting has him as a B rating. I haven't seen him ranked in the first round anywhere or, or even sort of in the top 50 I haven't seen. And, and that's including McKean's because I kind of wanted to see when, when we did our top 64, he was listed as an honorable mention because when we had put that list together, he had only come back for a game or two. So I really wanted to see how he looked. I've been really impressed. And um, he will not be outside of the first two rounds in our next list. I can tell you that much. Excellent. Brock, uh, this has been terrific as always, and uh, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Uh, My pleasure. That was a great setup for the CHL Top Prospect game, uh, courtesy Brock Otten. Who are you looking forward to seeing in this event? You can always uh, let me know on Twitter or X at TPS underscore Guy. And personally, when I asked him that question about, uh, you know, he follows the OHL guys, so he knows them really well. So does he focus on the dub or the Q guys more at an event like this? That makes sense because 
you don't always get the opportunity to watch those other leagues. For myself, and I am not a scout, I do not consider myself to be a scout, I think I still watch the game just in general. But when someone from the WHL does something that I recognize and I'm familiar with, I think that kind of stands out for me. Uh, but it is definitely an opportunity uh, for for myself to see those guys from the OHL in the queue that I don't normally see. I won't be at the event, so I'll still be watching it on TV or on my computer like I usually do for the CHL leagues. Whatever his answer was that he was going to give me, I would have understood it both ways. Because if you watch you know, a handful of players all season long in their own league, you know exactly. You have a really good feel for what they can and can't do. And then they get to an event like this. If they surprise you, that stands out. If they don't surprise you or if they don't impress you, I don't think players can really hurt themselves in an event like this, but I think they can really help themselves by standing out in a way because it's a showcase. That's what it's for. All right, with that, that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Only two guests, which you know drives me crazy. It was not my intention to only have two, but I guess the week right after the holiday break, also a bit of a, a challenge to uh, find the guests that I wanted. I already have uh, half of next week's show lined up. Dave Starman's going to join me. We're going to recap the World Junior Championship. As we're speaking right now, the U.S. and Sweden just about to start the gold medal game with uh, the Czech Republic, or Czechia, taking home the bronze after defeating Finland 8-5 to earlier this morning. Also next week, uh, Jordan McAlpine from The Rink Live is going to uh, join me. He's going to help preview the USHL's, uh, well, not the USHL, USA Hockey's All-American game, which, man, the more I think about it, that name is driving me crazy because it's not All-Americans in the game anymore. They've gone back to basically just a USHL game, and there are Canadians, there are Europeans in the game, Really got to change that name. Just go back to the USHL top prospect game. I, I don't know what the problem is. I, really, to me, just makes the USHL look weak. Like, and you look at the, the website for that game. It has guys like Sasha Boisvert. It shows their hometown listed as Muskegon. And he plays for the hometown Muskegon Lumberjacks. Uh, of course, he's Canadian. He's from Quebec. It just It's an inferiority complex, I think, that uh, the USHL has. And maybe in this case, it's USA Hockey. I'm not even sure who is actually putting this event on. I guess it's sort of a partnership with Central Scouting, I would assume, much like the CHL Top Prospect game is. Whatever the case, change the name. I'm all for them having not just American players, because it's, it definitely did water down the, the games in the past, but if it's everybody from the one league, then call it a USHL Top Prospect game. Anyway, Soapbox, maybe we'll uh, chat about that next week with uh, Jordan McAlpine and see if he has a, a different take on that. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. You can sign up on an annual basis or on a monthly basis and get early access to all the content that you hear on a full episode of The Pipeline Show. Patrons, supporters, subscribers get to have access to that content days before it's released in a uh, full episode format to the general public. Well, patrons get that, all of those segments individually. That'll cost a couple of bucks a month US or 10% less if you do it on an annual subscription basis. I think it comes out to about 20 bucks American. But a lot of people have been doing it. There's also seven day free trials available. So if you just want to test it, see what it's like, you'll have instant access to over 800 archived interviews from over the past three, four, five seasons, whatever it is. And I can honestly say that uh, people who are 
taking the seven-day free trial for a test drive, uh, they more often than not are choosing to continue on with a uh, subscription, either monthly or annually. So give it a shot. See what you think. That's at patreon.com slash show. All right, between now and next week, I hope you can get out and watch some junior and college hockey so that we can talk about it right here on The Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, and my name is Guy Flaming. See ya! See ya!